0: Well, hey guys, welcome to the Boning Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. So, um, today I have a guest, Spencer Valeri. Um, Spencer is a, uh, well, he's a YouTuber. He's a saddle hunter um, uh, mostly saddle hunter, but he does a lot of mobile hunting. He uh, shoots a traditional bow. So Hey, you know, what better reason than to uh, get him on and talk to him? Um, he is a guy who has been doing the saddle thing, uh, you know, for, for a while now, he tests a lot of, you know, a lot of different products. Um, uh, you know, you know, very kind of, I'm gonna say entrenched, you know, into that world, and he does a lot of really good, really good reviews on, you know, a bunch of different saddles, a bunch of different setups, um, everything, and we get into talking about all that, you know, all the saddles, all the, all the sticks, all the climbing methods, and, and descending methods, and uh, the pros and cons, and um, you know, we get into pretty much all of it, including, you know, how easy it is to shoot out of one of these things. Is it really um, a reality from what you see on, you know, let's just face it, like YouTube advertisements, basically, you know, from from the manufacturers who say, Oh, this is the greatest thing ever, you can shoot this, you can shoot that. And you know, is that really true? Um, what are the pros and cons? And what's, uh, what, what, what's what are you actually in for? when you sign up for saddle hunting let's say so um you know he's brutally honest and um that was you know very very refreshing because here's a guy who actually is very successful um as a saddle hunter uh, hunter in general and he's very successful using a traditional bow so that was kind of like a perfect fit because that's kind of like my niche and I think it's what most of the you guys who who listen to this to the show um you know our traditional bow hunters probably and uh, uh you know, whether you're saddle hunting or not, or whether you're in a tree stand or not, I'm not sure, but, you know, this might be helpful for you guys. So, anyway, it was a, it was a super cool um, episode, ran, ran out. you know, it, it's one of the longer ones. We had a lot to talk about, and he's a really, really passionate guy, very passionate about hunting and what he does, and um, just, you know, super neat dude. I've been watching him for a while, and it was good to actually, you know, quote-unquote meet him, um, and, uh, yeah, I had, had a really good time talking to him. Now, the audio does um, cut out thanks to Skype. Twice we dropped the phone call. Uh, we didn't lose any audio. Thank goodness It was everything. Kind of re-recorded uh, when we you know hooked back up again. But if. Um for some reason there's like a little weird break in the audio or it sounds weird or, or, or the transition sounds kind of kind of odd that's probably that's probably why i'm going to do my best to uh do you know e- edit them together but um you know I, i'm not perfect at this editing editing thing so anyway that's pretty much it i don't really have a lot else to um uh to fill you in on to fill you guys in on so i've been basically just uh working on you know working on my setups here basically just working on my uh my bows i still got my my, my elk cart is still down in, in florida i'm just gonna leave it down there until i go hog hunting it's not worth you know 40 45 shipping each way just so i can have it for a couple months just so i can ship it back down there again in march so i'm just gonna keep it down there um with uh, jim Desaias there it's uh hopefully in in his safe keeping and um i am kind of uh you know shooting in some strings uh that i got from uh from trevor fielder um, triple T or TTT uh, strings. I finally got to put that on my, on my grizzly, and um, yeah, I've been shooting that in, and again, I've took the clicker back off, I'm just trying to get back into proper form, proper shooting form without a clicker, and uh, you know, it's amazing what happens when you actually start, you know, practicing the way uh, your form is supposed to be, you know, so instead of, you know, 26 and like three quarter or whatever, I'm like over like 27 and a half inch now when I'm properly expanded and stuff. And I'm trying to make sure I do that with an um, actual, you know, field conditions too, uh, the best I can. So I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to teach my mind to not rely on the clicker because you know the more I use it the more I get clicker panic um so I don't know I am I'm, I'm it's always a work in progress I'm sure you guys go through the same thing you know put stuff on put stuff off put stuff on put stuff off so right now it's off and I'm shooting it without a clicker and I'm actually really enjoying it uh, I changed my uh, my right rest setup a little bit I took off the bare weather rest and I actually made a little leather bump rest um, that uh, I was able to lower the arrow a little bit and it just helps out the limbs a little bit more because you know even with the weather rest even if you kind of cut down the bottom of that and get it as low as possible it's still sitting up a little bit so you gotta have your knock point higher and then the limbs pull differently um, you know it's a 58 inch bow so or AMO as far as that, that goes and it's really not meant for going up and down that string a whole lot so we'll see I like the way it's flying and um, I'm just gonna work on me and my release, uh, you know, without without any kind of uh, aid. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of really enjoying, you know, re- relearning some things because it's, you know, um, <laughs> more, more challenge, more fun kind of thing. So, anyway, that's pretty much what I've been doing as far as, you know, on, on the bow front. Uh, other than that, there's really nothing else um, other than just trying to, you know, schedule some podcasts with people. And hopefully it'll I'll have a little more time and they'll have a little more time now that hunting season's over. So, uh, hopefully to try to get back to a semi-regular schedule here. But, uh, you know, it's still kind of tough. But, Anyway, trying to crank out these uh, the best as I can, and I hope you guys are enjoying them. And if you do, sincerely, you know, I appreciate it. And I really, really would appreciate if you guys go and and, and just leave whatever podcast app that you listen on, please go and leave a rating. Ratings are absolutely huge. Um, uh, Reviews are great, but ratings, I think, trump all of that um you know it shows people or it shows the you know the algorithms that people are listening and you're interested and then and it actually gets put in front of more people when uh they're searching for this kind of content so it greatly greatly helps out so um make sure you check out the youtube channel as always the hunting soul youtube channel and um yeah that's uh, that's pretty much it so without any uh, further ado here is my interview with spencer valeri the updates that I don't want, so you do not update it, my computer just continues to be up, so there we go, okay, so, <laughs> on the line, we've been talking for a while, not not a while, but we got, we've already talked about, how many, like, um, hot topics have we talked about in the last five minutes that you oh, like, probably three four, or four, <laughs> three or four at least, at right? least, yep, <laughs> politics, crossbows, uh, corona, oh my god, like, we <laughs> we've been everywhere so we have Spencer Valeri on on the line thank you uh no thanks
1: thanks for having me man it's my pleasure
0: so we've been trying to do this for a little while um and uh finally we're able to uh to hook up because uh you know, you're you said you're pretty much stuck at home right now and uh, you're, you're you're playing nursemaid to your family. So, you know, cool. I'm like, all right. And he's he's a cap, captive uh, captive guest. So yep. I
1: <laughs> get him nowhere to go.
0: So um, for those who don't know you or follow you on any you know, YouTube or any of that stuff, you want to kind of give like a brief synopsis of you know kind of who you are and, and what you're all about
1: yeah yeah sure thing man um yeah i'm just a your typical old average guy for the most part um grew up in in michigan and uh and then spent about 10 years outside of michigan pennsylvania florida ohio i've uh, been back in michigan for for two years um the big thing that i've kind of got into was um saddle hunting And so, you know, picked up a saddle years and years ago and really liked it, saw a lot of benefits to it. And, you know, at the time, saddles were such a niche thing, you know, that there was really no commercial versions. You know, you were buying them used on eBay for these crazy exorbitant prices or you were doing the DIY sit drag thing. And then all of a sudden uh, you had the Arrow Hunter Evolution, tried that, way too clunky for me, decided not to pull the trigger to buy one, Uh, just, you know, did a used one. And then then Arrow Hunter released the Kestrel. And I bought the Kestrel the day they released it and um, have just been on a saddle Buying craze uh, ever since, and I decided years ago to start this YouTube channel um, because saddles are so individual. You know, they they fit differently. They have different design features and all that. And people have never been able to walk into a store and try them. You know, until recently. You know, Tether has some stuff in store. So I started my YouTube channel just with the intention of trying to give guys some unbiased, un you know promoted um information about about the saddle that they couldn't try on in a store so started a youtube channel called uh just called saddle hunting and uh started started doing some some saddle reviews as well as some you know just informational helpful videos about things related to climbing and and uh, saddle hunting in general and and uh, it's just uh taken off and done, done really really well so um I'm just constantly, you know, trying gear and, and, uh, and hunting when I can. I've had a busy fall this year. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my background a little bit.
0: So um, let's back up a little bit. So are you? do you come from a from hunting background?
1: You know, not really. My dad was not a hunter. He was an avid bass fisherman. Um, but growing up, you know, I don't know if you remember, but they had ESPN Outdoors back in mm-hmm. the day. Yep, My dad would, would throw on ESPN Outdoors on Saturday and uh, he'd watch for the fishing shows. Well, it was like every other one was a hunting show and he just left it on. And so I got watching hunting shows growing up and I said to my dad in my early teenage years, I said, hey, I'd, I'd like to try that. And so he kind of pulled some strings and we did hunter safety. I have a twin brother. And so me and my twin brother and him did hunter safety. And then through some connections, he, um, he had some family property up in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And so uh, we, we started making early trips up there and, um, you know, killed my first deer. I was a fairly late starter. So I was probably 14, I think, 14. Yeah, I think 14. No, no, that's not right. I think we started going up when I was 14. Maybe I was 16 when I killed the first one. So pretty late start, you know, compared to a lot of guys. But back then, you know, in Michigan, you couldn't even hunt with a firearm until you were 14, you know. Nowadays, they they let these little little kids go out. Um, So, yeah, so from there, it just just lit a fire in my soul, and I have been – an avid, avid deer hunter. Uh, I like turkey hunting probably more than I like deer hunting and I like traveling to hunt more than either one of those two things. So, um, <laughs> I just ate up with it, took up trapping along the way and, and just, um, I just love it, you know? Really? <laughs> so Yeah, I mean, I was pretty
0: late to the game, and I was like late late 20s, and I'm 47 now. Yeah, 47 now, so I was like late 20s, early 30s, I think, by the time I was actually really took it up in earnest, you know what I mean? Um, Yeah. Took it up for a little bit when I was younger, in my early 20s, but then, uh, um, you know, moved away, Got you know, just my job kept me traveling a lot, that kind of stuff, so it was was never, you know, I kind of had a resurgence back into it back in the mid-2000s, late 2000s, I guess, and, um, you know, it's kind of been... Going since then. But yeah, I remember um, you mentioned uh, ESPN and stuff. I remember, well, but do you remember like TNN oh, Outdoors yeah. <laughs> yeah. before? I don't know how old you are, but yeah, this is before it changed to Spike TV or whatever the hell it's called now. <laughs> and it was TNN Outdoors with Tracy Bird. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it was all like the hunting and fishing channels or shows before like NASCAR started like around noon one or whatever yeah, it was I so feel that like was like uh, my
1: <laughs> Bill Jordan show might have been on
0: TN. I'm not sure <laughs> right. but there was a lot there was a there was a there was a lot on there so and yeah so I yeah I totally get it I was like, I kind of got enamored with that stuff and I'm like man that sounds like a ton of fun cuz people ask me like how did you get into it and I'm like I really don't know you know I don't there was not that one like like spark like ooh I have to do that like that one moment you know what yeah. i mean yeah so so we kind of me and my buddies kind of eased into it we got into it through like trap shooting and stuff and then um you know at this range we went to and then we're like hey why don't we try and shoot some actual stuff and then it kind of you know moved on from there so yeah but um yeah, well, I so
1: this to mention, you know, I, I had a buddy in uh, in high school. His dad was a big time hunter, and and I was just lucky. His dad kind of took me under his wing and really showed me how to hunt, introduced me to the recurve bow, and so started shooting the recurve. And then uh, he had a bunch of property and let me hunt it, and so I was able to just start stacking deer on on top of deer for a couple of years there, and and got my feet wet. So that was really helpful in my you know learning curve, I guess so to speak.
0: So were you able to, so then you, you had access to a lot of private then is what, is what you're getting at, right? So to be able to kind of um,
1: yes, yes. kind
0: of walk around unencumbered or have someone kind of guide you at least maybe, even if your dad wasn't, is that, is that-
1: yeah. Back yeah. Here. That, that guy had, uh, quite a few acres in Northern, Northern Michigan. And so we would make, make trips up there for, uh, you know, for firearm season and then, you know, periodically during bow season and things like that. And so it was a big chunk, uh, and, um, just nice to, you know, be able to walk out there and, and hunt deer that were a little less pressure than the public land stuff in Southern Michigan where I lived. And, um, so, so that, that was great, but then, then moved around the country and have done, um, a, a decent mix ever since of public and private land stuff.
0: Um, are you the only one in your family that hunts right now? Then. Yep. Um, did, you, did you bring others? You know, did, 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 did your dad kind of get the get the bug too after you started? Or uh, no, he you know? he
1: didn't. He never did. I got my twin brother to hunt twice. And he killed two deer and has never done it again. <laughs> Actually, I take that back. I've taken about three times. He's killed three deer and he's never done it again. <laughs> yeah, hey, um, that success rate, you know. Oh yeah, you can't you can't argue with that. <laughs> um, he he uh, thought it was too easy. He needs to
0: struggle a little bit.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, you I know, he needs to put some time in. the uh, The last time I took him was fun though. I was living in Ohio at the time, and he came down. And we hunted a private farm, and um, he'd never killed a buck before. And we had seen some 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 nice bucks throughout the trip, and it just wasn't happening. And And uh, we had this, this year and a half old seven point come in and it's like, you know, it comes right to the bottom of the tree and uh and he says to me should i shoot it i'm like dude i don't it's up to you we're on the last day of the hunt i think and uh and it looks up at us and turns and runs 15 yards away and i was filming and it stops looks back at us and i just got the camera on and i don't, can't see him i don't know what he's doing all of a sudden he, he shoots it and he center punches it and i look down at him and i say hey you shot it and he's like yeah i decided i paid a lot of money for a tag <laughs> It so, was a fun hunt. <laughs> that's that's the truth, though. Yep.
0: So w- when you moved on from initially rifles, I guess right like your fir- your first few you said did you jump right into the recurve or? or...
1: You know, I owned a compound early on, um, but the very first deer that I ever killed with a bow was with the recurve. <laughs> yep. Um, my buddy had, had shot a shot a black widow pma and let me you know shoot it a bunch and so this was 2005 i think i placed an order for a custom black widow pma and uh and then i it took me a couple years to connect i think it was 2007 i finally killed a deer with that black widow pma um close shot five or six yards something like that Mm -hmm. um but So, yeah, that was kind of my entry into um, bow hunting, and ever since, I've done, I've done a mix of everything, you know, um, kind of like hunting with different weapons, to be honest with you, but I find that I enjoy the, uh, the recurve a whole lot more than, than anything else.
0: Yeah, I'm still trying. I'm a year four into this with a stick bow. And as of tomorrow, my season ends, at least as far as deer go. So I'm like, oh, for four um, <laughs> with, with, with a stick bow. I'm still trying. But hey, uh,
1: man, it's
0: uh... <laughs> trials and tribulations, man. This year has yep. just been, you know, um so I, I kind of ranted in the beginning of the, the, the previous one uh, of the previous episode here about like my season and now just, you know, um, not being able to get out just like I've been able to get out midday. I've been I've been walking around a lot, like miles and miles and miles. Right. But I'm basically like 10 to 2, you know, Oh yeah. because you know, I dropped my daughter off and picking her up from school. So between, you know, she starts at 920 and I got to be there at four. So all these awesome, I mean, I found some just primo, primo, like the kind where if it was a cartoon, you'd hear like the, "Ah," you know, like the brake screeching sound, you know, with the dust (laughs) flying and stop right here, climb the tree kind of thing. And it's like, oh, okay, it's two thirty three o'clock. I got to leave now. Yeah, (laughs) you know, know, it's just so my, you know, hope and a prayer was to catch a stupid deer walking around midday um, that happened to intersect with my path for wherever I was. And And that and that didn't happen, you know, and um.
2: You never yeah, know, this, though. <laughs> it,
0: yeah, it's it's crazy, man. Like I, I said, it was kind of like the the whole. Um, so was, I was supposed to fly down to Florida the other day, and uh, Sun Country canceled, you know, flights uh, nationwide on Monday morning. You know, at least for, for most of the day, I think, and that was like basically like the capper to my season. I mean, everything from that to. Um, uh, my neighbor here was supposed to, he's like, oh, I got access to a great farm by here, you know, I hunt there, and he said, you know, You're welcome to bring someone else along as long as it's you know archery. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm shooting a stick bow, you know, and cool, you know, we'll set it up, come with me, and super cool guy. The day before we were supposed to go to this guy's farm, the farmer dies. <laughs> Back up. Okay, I think we're back up. We're back up after technical difficulties here. We had a crash, <laughs> I forgot to record. Luckily, we didn't do. I've never done this. Um, you know, when you do like an entire podcast and then you're like, I uh, uh, forgot to record. I've never, <laughs> never done that. I hear that happening, but knock on wood. Yeah, that'd be happened. a drag. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I was, I was ranting about like my, you know, my season and stuff, and you know, midday. It's all I'm relegated to. Yeah, you know, awesome sign. Where I just love to just sit and stop at that tree and just, just set up. But I got to go, you know, I mean, fresh, fresh, like fresh shavings, like steaming poop, literally like, OK, so I'm just going to be <laughs> back here in the next few hours and I got to go, um, you know, and uh, like I, said, I was supposed to fly to Florida on Monday and Sun Country canceled all their flights. Oh, no, um, you know, yeah, they had a big server crash or whatever like that. I mean, I was at the gate at the airport. Um, oh, and, yeah. So that was like the like Lucy Yank and the football kind of thing. Yeah. And um, I say my neighbor um kind of mid-season-ish uh, my my neighbor behind me you know he's like yeah he goes I, I know this this farmer I hunt on this guy's farm you know old time or whatever he lets me hunt there he said it's okay if I bring someone you know you want to come with I'm like well hell yeah you know why not you know so we're, we're, yeah. we're setting up a time whatever to go you know private he plenty of deer there the day before the day before he and I are supposed to go out there the farmer dies Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> this is my season. <laughs> this Man, you is can't my season. The break. <laughs> it start it started with a squirrel I shot at like less than 5 yards up a tree like sweet shot, right? And I and I headshot this kind of gr- gruesome I kind of went through this but I headshot this thing and the arrow stuck in its head and it was still going after like 15 minutes. It was the most horrifying thing I've ever watched. I'm like, just die.
2: Oh man. This thing
0: was lodged in its head. And I don't know how the, you know, my arrow finally like came out, but then it scurried up and over and, um, kind of went across the treetops and, and I, I'm sure it died eventually. But I mean, I was there with this thing, 15, 20 minutes, like waiting for it to fall out of the tree. I took a couple of a shots. you know? So this is, it's just been a complete mess this year. <laughs> and, uh, I'm I'm, I'm kind of happy. 2022 is um, uh, re-rolling around. I have rebooked uh to go to Florida though uh, in March. March, so I just did that today. So so ha- so so happy thoughts. But anyway, um, that's that that's It'll kind of kind of yeah yeah. So hopefully we'll. <laughs> We'll, we'll get we'll get a better season out of it in, in the next couple of days. Fresh start kind of thing. But yeah. um, let's get back to you. Yeah. enough about r- I've, I've ranted so much in the last couple of years. I'm not, I feel sorry for people listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so uh, you you had initial success with a recurve. It sounds like it, sounds like it took to a pretty quick, but I mean, you've been doing it for a while um, and there wasn't a lot of resources out there for like learning how to shoot, no, how to tune. God how did you, how did you navigate through all that?
1: Yeah, not at all. Um, so, so my buddy there was just the, the biggest help in the world. He, he'd been shooting a recurve his whole life. And so for him, it was just second nature. I think at that time, if I remember right back then, he'd killed over a hundred deer with a recurve. I mean, and, and caribou and elk. And I mean, he just, that's all he hunted with. He's essentially never hunted with a compound in his whole life. One or two hunts he bought one and then, you know, benched it, I think. Um, but so he he knew how to tune um i had the black widow even back then they would send a vhs when you bought the bow and it had a tuning guide in it and so you know you buy the gold tip arrows with the the weights that you can add both on the knock end or the front end and you know ken beck's got this vhs talking about how you can you know change the dynamic spine of the arrow with these screw-in weights and stuff and so uh, my buddy just helped me go through that and um and then, yeah, as far as shooting goes, you know, i would never heard of, of gap shooting or any of that stuff. You know, it was all just instinctive, split finger, you know, uh, pick a spot, burn a hole in it, and then, you know, let it go. And, and essentially enough shooting and muscle memory and you were hitting where you were looking, you know. So I shot like that until probably 2016-ish, i bet 15 15 maybe something like that and uh, and then i started hearing more guys talk about gap shooting and three under and all that and and i actually at that point um i'd always kind of struggled with instinctive like my buddy he shoots instinctive out past 40 yards and is phenomenally accurate wow. you know he's like a tom Clum. you know sure. um but I am not that good (laughs) and I I always felt like my max range with instinctive shooting was probably in the 15 yard range and I thought you know I I ought to be able to do better than that so when I started hearing about gap shooting I started I made the switch I sent my bow back to Black Widow had him retiller it for three under and just went went all in trying to figure out how to gap shoot and 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 three under and so I've been doing that you know for the last five or six years now something like that.
0: Do you do you like it better? Uh, um, is okay. It, it's probably more accurate, but do you like as far as shooting style, uh, <sighs> enjoyment that you get out of it? I mean, is it is is it more thinking? Does it take anything away from it, or do you, do you like? Do you, does it add to it because you're more
1: accurate? Um, it, it, I would say a little bit of both. I'm assuming you know? you're
0: more accurate. I shouldn't. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I was practicing with it a bunch this summer because I was going to hunt bison this fall and wanted to take the bison with the recurve. I was accurate out to, I would have taken a 30 yard shot on a bison, you know, I mean, I was feeling that good with it, you know, so my long, my max distance definitely increased shooting it. Um, it's funny though, I've missed a couple deer the last few years (laughs) with it, um, and I think that sometimes I almost will just default to instinctive because I've just been doing that for so long. Um, it, but yeah, it it, take, it it reintroduces a little bit more of of the thinking, whereas the instinctive is just you know, it's just pull and go. You know, it's um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it makes blessings. But for me, I think the trade offs <clears throat> of introducing a little bit more calculated um, shot sequence and shot process help me you know rather than than just pure instinctive
0: yeah 100 i i think for me what what ha, i mean i'm what i would consider gap instinctive and you know intuitive whatever out to like you said about 15 15 to 20 i, I pay a little you know more attention to sight picture you know yeah. um and past that I, I'm, I'm not very good anyway but um <laughs> i think you know and i've been shooting these things for about like five five six years maybe about five years and You know, when I was trying to learn, I went through everything under the sun, you know, just rip it and grip it, um, you know, this anchor, that anchor, high anchor, you know, up high, down low, you know, split finger, uh, all of it, right? Yep. And I'm not very good at gapping because um, it's just too much mental calculation, but I'm more like I need to see the site picture that kind of everything looks good. But I think I kind of got to... And, and, and this is just my theory that if, if you – let's just say you start – a guy starts out with with, with gap shooting or um, – yeah, let's say gap shooting. Over time, right, I mean your brain kind of sees all the, the, the flight of that arrow. You know what I mean? And it yep. kind of ingrains this kind of like flight flight path. And I'm convinced that even if you gap shoot under a certain amount, like like you were saying, 15 yards, 20 yards maybe – then it just kind of automatically takes over where you, you know you might think you're actually gap shooting but your brain just your brain is just like okay i got this we know yep, we know, I, this, uh, we, you know <laughs> we got it and then when it's a little bit past that when you actually have to think about it then it's like okay here's x many inches here's my tip all that stuff so um i don't know somebody asked me uh, like like today i was i was at the local archery range over here it's like literally like three minutes away from my door nice and it was super busy because I didn't factor in, you know, like winter break and all that stuff. Oh, Lots yes. of kids there and like new people coming in. And a couple of them, you know, were looking at Samic Sages and this and that. And so we got to talking about, hey, how do you aim these things? How do you do that? And I'm always like, man, how do I like how do I tell someone that they're going to be in it? Like before they can even like wrap their head around what the hell is like they're doing. You're going to be in it for like probably like thousands and thousands of arrows before <laughs> you even have like a clue as to like. You know, if you're doing anything remotely correctly, you know what I mean. Yep, yep. So, it, it, I, I never know what to say. Like, use the tip. Don't you know? Burn a hole. Don't burn a hole. Um,
1: I don't well, know. Yeah, but I don't. I, I don't want to seem like I'm noticed. not trying to help them either. Right. Yeah, exactly. You do want to be helpful and you want people to have good experience, you know, and and I think it's easier for people to have a good beginner experience if they're just instinctive shooting, because the brain, the brain is good at making those calculations. They'll hit probably better than they anticipated, just instinctive shooting with no training. Right. But gap shooting, in my experience anyway, is much more form dependent. You know, if you're not anchoring in the same spot, if your draw length isn't the same, your gaps are going to change. And So, you know, you got to have a somewhat repeatable form form in order to gap shoot accurately especially a distance you know um so for the beginner it's like man instinctive is a, is just a i think a good way to go especially at those closer distances while you're figuring out your form and all that
0: yeah the same questions come up and i'm sure you're you're you know, i see you on on a lot of the um you know discussions and all that stuff too when someone's like hey i'm new to this um you know picked up a samick sage or picked up my granddaddy's old bow that we found in the attic and you know I, I'm looking to hunt with it by fall and uh, it's 50 pounds or whatever. It could be like heavy, right? 45 55 <laughs> yeah. pounds for them as a starter. And, uh, you know, I want to, you know, I got 500 sp- whatever spine. Should I get 125s or 150s? And <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, where do you even start? You know what I mean? Because yep. <laughs> you genuinely want to help these people. But the number one thing that is kind of heartbreaking that you want to tell someone, is like the bow that you start off with is not going to be the one that you're going to be hunting with. Most likely. Yeah. Because you're going to try that. You're going to do like terrible stuff. And you're going to go to a lighter bow. And everybody doesn't want to buy another bow. And I'm like, dude, these bows like are cheap. They're way cheap. Trust me, you're into this. You're going to be into this for some money. Okay. You're going down a rabbit hole. I'm sorry to tell you. I know you want to <laughs> do it on a budget, but you're going to be buying you know, arrows, tabs, broadheads, uh, you know, whole, like, like tackle box. I'm looking, you know, over like of different point weights and, um, you're, you're going to be into this. So like a $130 bow with $75, like replaceable limbs, trust me, that is your, that is the cheap and you are buying the cow cheap. The milk is yeah.
2: expensive. Okay. <laughs>
0: yep. So d- it's hard to tell them like you don't even worry about like get something kind of sort of close right and someone will throw up some numbers and be like first of all you don't even know if that's your draw length i guarantee you're not going to pull what you think you're pulling first of all no and you know so you'll suggest like look here's like a 500 spine 30 something inch 150 175 up front okay don't even come back until you well i mean come back and ask but don't don't even try tuning quote unquote until you've shot at least five thousand arrows Okay. Yeah. We don't even want to hear from you till then because you have you have no idea what you're in for as far as like like form and um you know, like don't even begin tuning just learn how to shoot forget yeah. where the arrows actually go and people don't want to hear that you know and right that's, that's right. just really frustrating having to repeat that over and over and over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, the thing I have found, you know, as long as your spine is not like grossly off, like you know, you're shooting a 340 when you should be shooting a 500 or some, the, the, with the fletching, they will go, you know, by and large in the general direction where you're looking. You know, if they're grossly, you will notice even fletched left and right impacts, right? But you know, you, yeah. you can get the average guy, you know, close enough where fletched arrows are, are you know, for the most part going to be hit. Now, I have a bow downstairs. It's a 30 to low 30s i had some shoulder issues and so i put together an ilf rig a couple years ago and just for form training and stuff like that and um that bow i tried shooting the same arrows that i was shooting out of my 50 pound bow and they impact like 12 inches off from where i'm aiming Mm. side to side because the spine's so wrong but yeah it just takes off yeah as long as you're in the ballpark you're you're gonna be fine
0: yeah and 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 that's different that's different but yeah just just learning how to shoot like you said get them in the ballpark and uh you know just just get it all down so um are, are you so? Are you still shooting then? Um, are you still like a Black Widow guy, or do you have yeah, a
1: Still have and still shoot as my primary bow that same Black Widow PMA that I bought in 2005. Um, I had it. Re, I had the limbs refinished when I had it re-tillered. Uh Actually, I had the whole thing refinished when I had it retillered. so it looks brand new, you know. Um, but I was telling somebody just the other day, I shoot that Black Widow, and it's a heavy bow, right? It's got a long riser. It's, it's a phenomenal design as far as having the weight out near the ends of the risers. And so it's just a very stable, smooth shooting bow. And so I'll go and I'll pick up something else and I'll go, oh my gosh, what's all this hand shocker That's horrible, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And I'll shoot it once and I'll put it down, you know, and not even entertain the idea of buying it. And, uh, I couldn't even tell you how many times cause I live right here in Kalamazoo, which is where they have that big trad show in January. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I shoot a lot of bows every year at that. And I uh, I just have not found one that I go, yeah, I think this is going to make me bench the Black Widow.
0: So what size is it um, as far as overall?
1: Yep, it's a 62 inch um, and 49 at 28. And I pull it about 28 and a half. So I'm right about 50 pounds on 50 my pounds. fingers. Yeah. And I I think I've been talking to Cody Greenwood a little bit, and I think I'm going to drop in weight this year and just to try to really improve my form as best I can. So I think I'm going to pick up another bow uh, probably in the low 40s this, this mm-hmm. year, 40 to 42, 43, somewhere in there. Another um, widow or – I don't think so. I, I'm, I've am i been eyeing up um, kind of like a hybrid competition barebow uh, hunting riser, something like the WF-21 or mm-hmm. the the DOS HT-21. I just reached out to Three Rivers the other day. They're going to have some of those at Kalamazoo, so I'm going to try it and uh, and see what I think of it. Something with just a little more weight that's just really stable, really inherently accurate, you know, in as far as its design goes. I've also been looking at a longbow, which is the totally opposite end of the- Mm-hmm. From, you know, I've been uh, super intrigued by ASLs for a while now, and it's funny. Your last two um, episodes, I've been in contact with both Josh Miller and and uh, Eric there from St. Patrick <laughs> Lake, and I'm yeah. really thinking about pulling the trigger on a Pacific stick. Me too. So. Me
0: too. Pacific stick. I I, I told Josh. I, I don't know if it was we were still recording or not at the time, but I said, dude. In the last like week or whatever, I've probably watched your video. Like it's it's still on my watch list. Usually when I watch something, I do, but I'll swipe it off. You know, yeah. I've probably watched it. I, I kid you not, like 20 times. That in the Minnesota nice. stick one. you know what I mean? I'm like, man, yeah. you know. And I had him send me pictures of that grip uh, yesterday. I think it was. I'm like, can you send me close-ups of that that dished grip? Because it seems Aww. like it's a little flatter in the palm than a normal straight ASL grip, you know, which I, I just couldn't get along with. And I'm like, you know, but I, I'd really like to have one in my hand before I pull the trigger on one. But yeah, I, I, the, the calling is there. I, I want one of them, you know. <laughs>
1: yep. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're just sweet looking. And I can't believe how good Josh shoots that by watching some of his videos. It's just that's a, he's an incredible shooter.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 deceptive, because um, if you and I were to pick it up, I guarantee you we're not going <laughs> to Yeah, <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> it,
1: you know, I'm just like, holy crap. <laughs> yep. And that black widow covers a multitude of errors for me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, I've shot a PMA um, just at, at a local shoot here and uh, just just for, you know, like a dozen arrows or whatever. And it's it's really sweet. I, I really liked it. I don't I don't know that I'd want like that big a riser. Yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, I- anything that's in that kind of like heavy, uh, I don't wanna say blocky, you know, but like the heavy, like heavy, like centralized mass, you know, um, bow like a bobbly. Never shot a bobbly. I'd love to try one. Uh, like a a widow like any one of those like heavy mass things you know cut the center or like you know damn near center shot almost you know really spine uh forgiving um i i'd 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 really like to try one you know i would really really like to 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 to, to see and um like a psa would be like a a nice size because um a little bit i found was a bit too big but
1: yeah, a little bit smaller sight window. I can't remember if the P- I think the PSA is a four inch sight window and the PMA is a five inch. If I'm remembering right,
0: I think it's like three, four, and five, or three and a half, four and five, or something like that. The PCH, yeah, like the PCH that. looks really sweet, you know. And I like shorter bows, but I know I'm not going to have the same shooting experience that I did when I shot the PMA. Obviously, so yeah. it's like it's it's completely different. And I know on the on the PCH, I, I think it's not cut to center. Um, it's cut before center. So oh, yeah you know it's not going to be quite as you know so, so if if i were to do you know uh, a widow and and, I, and it's, i'm really not pining for one you know um yeah. it'd be like a nice to have but it'd be like a psa like a 60 inch or you know maybe a 62 yeah, like a those psa are, or something those like are that
1: sweet both.
0: <laughs> or a bobbly i'm i'm, re- I'm really curious to, to you know to shoot a bobbly but god there's so much cool stuff out there man i just yeah, don't have them not enough time
1: not enough money right
0: <laughs> it's it's not i mean like i said i'm i'm really looking at that that asl i'm looking at um um like Lee's out there like super nice um what else uh
1: i like um south cox bows over there stalker stick bows. he makes just some beautiful looking bows Uh, fantastic veneers and all that i've shot a number of his bows because he comes to kalamazoo every year uh he's got a blocky uh looking kind of the limbs are mounted on the back that yep the vortex that's a good shooting bow um and he, he makes just some great stuff. That's that's another company I, I've always been intrigued by, but have never pulled the trigger.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 still in love with my Java man. You know, um, I I really like that, but I mean that's like super light, super maneuverable. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're um, beautiful too. I've shot his a couple of times. He's he's right here in Michigan. Yep. Um,
0: yep. Yeah. That's so much, so much to choose from. I don't know. There's uh, and then there, there's another one I really want to try and shoot. Um which you don't see them very often, they don't come up a whole lot, is the uh, Acadian Woods, you know, the Acadian Woods uh, oh, tree yeah. stick. Yeah. yeah, You know, um, super cool looking. I like the limb design, you know. Um, I like the shelf design. I don't know. There's, there's too, too, too many bows, not enough money, I think.
1: That's it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like there's just more and more popping up.
0: <laughs> so do you get to... Um, I, I don't know what you do for for a living or whatever, but I mean, do you do you get do you get to hunt a lot? Do you get a lot of free time? I mean, I know you're you know husband, dad, all that stuff too. Um, do you get to get away a lot? You said you take some trips, you know, out, out of state hunting trips. So how do you work all that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I've I've got a pretty good amount of uh vacation time every year. I think right now I sit at uh right around 3 weeks, you know, plus a couple of personal days. And then um my schedule is very flexible as far as uh, when I go in, when I leave, that kind of thing. I basically can set my own schedule. So it's fairly easy for me, especially It's just the stage of life that our family's in right now. It's easier for me to hunt in the mornings than it is for the evenings. You know, my wife kind of wants me here to put the kids to bed and all that. But, you know, to get up and go hunt, you know, for a three-hour morning sit and then go into work, I I can do that quite a bit. Um, and then my wife and I, we've got the little kids right now, uh, you know, five month old and a three and a half year old. And so we've kind of got this agreement where I, I try to only do one out of state hunting trip um, every other year. Um, I'm not much of a hey, travel to other states and hunt whitetails kind of guy. It just doesn't fire my engine up a whole lot. I like. Mm-hmm. I like hunting different species and seeing different parts of the country so um every every other year i'm basically traveling and, and trying to do some big adventure hunt uh this year i actually through a very bizarre series of events hunted in nevada and in south dakota so I, I'm, I'm lucky in that i can i can get out quite a bit so um
0: I want to get to this, we can get to this now or later, but uh, I see you you shot a bison, and I don't know the story about it did. that, and that's, yeah. and that's pretty cool, and um, at least as far as like pictures go, but I, I want to hear about it, because... It seems like bison hunts, when you hear about people doing them, can go two ways. One, it's like an actual adventure. And another one, it's like, eh, it's really not much of a hunt. You kind of walk up to them and shoot them. Yeah. You know? yeah. So wh- what was yours? I, w- I want to get into that.
1: So it was an it was an interesting hunt. little what I expected and a little what I didn't expect. So I I drew a tag on a Sioux Indian reservation in central South Dakota. So lottery system, the Indian reservation has a few, uh, herds of Buffalo, a couple hundred Buffalo as, as a very minimum. I, I think it, I think they had three herds of, of over a hundred head in each herd, something mm. like that. And so it was a lottery system, you know, you got to apply i uh I applied for a couple different tags they the way they do it, they have some cow tags, they have some young bull tags, some you know kind of management bull tags and then some trophy bull tags and for me I, I I had set a goal a number of years ago where I wanted to try to work toward the super ten. Are you familiar with the super ten? I'm not. So the super 10 is kind of like the poor man's super slam, right? So instead of shooting all 29 big game species in North America, you're shooting basically a representative species from every category. So it's one deer species, one elk, one moose, one okay. caribou, one bear, and then some of the oddballs, you know, like mountain goats, a, a bison or a muskox, a um, mountain mountain goat, mountain lion. Um and I'm, I'm for antelope, so something, you know, so it's ten species all together. So I wanted to start picking away toward that, and so I wanted to try to shoot a bison. And so for me, it was like, well, I don't really care. The, the experience is probably going to be the same one way or another. So I put in for some young bull tags and for some cow bull, cow tags because they were they were just cheaper, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I got lucky and drew a cow tag. So, um, went out to the reservation and, um, really an interesting, interesting hunt. Um, the bison out there are in three different portions of the reservation and inside the reservation, they are, they are fenced. So they've got like three strand wire on, you know, around the the area that the bison are in. Um, but I think it was like 12,000 acres, something like that. So it was a big area. And, uh, you know, they give you a guide that is included for your tag price. And so, uh, we go out there and I, I had the intention of, of bow hunting and it it was just to make a really long story short, I had a horrible guide experience. He basically was trying to pressure me the whole time into taking a rifle and just shooting one with a rifle, which Mm -hmm. would have been a joke, dude. I mean, like they're a herd animal, right? So when they get pressured and think they're going to get hunted, they get in just like a National Geographic, right? They get in a big circle and all the cows and the calves go in the middle and the bulls stand around the outside. Well, you could walk up to them a hundred yards away and shoot one with a rifle like, and it wouldn't have been tricky at all. Um, yeah. and, and that's what most of the people that come out there do. So the guy was a little frustrated that I was bow hunting. Um, I tried a, a handful of stocks with the, the recurve. And then he, and I was getting busted, man. I mean, they were really, really spooky. So in that sense, I had a quality hunting experience because the animals were very, very wary. I mean, they'd see me coming from, you know, it's wide open for the most part. So I'm trying to crawl and use the topography as best I can to get close to them. But, you know, they'd spot me at 70 yards, 60 yards quite often. And then they're getting in that circle And I'm trying to cut the distance and they're moving farther away. And, and then I'd get to like 50 yards and they would just, they would just bust. And when they busted, dude, they went anywhere from a half a mile to three miles. I mean, you just stand there and watch them running. Really? That far? Unbelievably far. Yeah. Uh, So then we'd go back in the truck and try to cut distance. And uh, the first herd, I mean, they started seeing the the truck from a half a mile away and they just start running. Um, it was, uh, it was, they were a lot spookier than I expected. So after a, a few hours of failed stocks, uh, the guide started to give me this business about how his brother-in-law died and he needs to go be a pallbearer and he's not going to be able to hunt the next two or three Are days. Are you blah, serious? Blah, blah. I am totally serious. And the other thing, the dude never got out of the truck the whole time. And so I'm like, well, you know, what do we got to do? You know? And so at that point, He's like i just want to get it done today and so i switched from the the compound or from the recurve to the compound because i was like i'm getting to like you know what i would have felt like marginal compound distance was like Mm -hmm. 40 to 5 to 50 yards so i thought well if if i got to get it done today i don't want to shoot women with a rifle so i switched to the to the compound and we switched to another area that had a little more topography that i could use to hide behind and I bet you I stalked, I spent hours and hours and hours, probably another eight or nine unsuccessful stalks on various herd, uh, wow. various animals. And uh, and finally, just um, was able, they, the, the bison kept staying on the highest ground they could find. And so I was constantly approaching them from below. And yeah. they would just, you know, one of the hundreds bound to see you, right? <laughs> then they all know you're there and the gig's well, yeah. up and uh luckily right toward the end of the day i got um i got above them and they just can't look up as well you know and so i was able to sneak down this little finger ridge toward the herd and uh, right when the ridge was kind of ending I, I was on the side of it and I crept up over kind of the corner and, uh, and there was a nice cow on the end and, uh, and I made a, a 20 yard shot of all things oh. <laughs> and, uh, and it made a good shot on her and, uh, it wound up being about a 900 pound cow, just yeah. a real pretty animal um, so yeah, from that, you know, sense, it was a good hunting experience cause it wasn't like walking up to him and shooting a cow, which I was kind of afraid it might be, but, uh, but I had a horrible guiding experience. So I walked away with mixed, uh, mixed fl-
0: opinions of it. Now, uh, were you paying for the guide or just paying just, they have to be with you because it's on like uh, reservation land?
1: Yeah, it's kind of both ends. So like they charge you. Uh, basically the tag is a lot of money. I think my cow tag was 1750, but that price includes the guy. Okay. So, yeah. But, it's not too bad, but the, the price of meat bad.
0: nowadays, the grocery store, I don't know. I'm not doing the math
1: right now, but you know, that oh, doesn't seem to. Oh, not that bad a deal. <laughs> and I mean, they, they hooked that bison up, put it in a truck, drove it to a meat locker and, uh, they then skinned it. And I think they cut, took the head off. And I paid 88 cents a pound of the hanging weight to have it butchered. Oh, shit. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the hanging weight, I think, was 500 pounds.
0: So Mm
2: -hmm. it was
1: 400 and something to have it processed. You know, but I got, I don't even know. 250 300 pounds of meat probably something like
2: that
1: yeah you know i didn't weigh it but i took out 450 quarts of cooler space with me and they were stuck oh my
0: goodness wow it
1: was it was a lot of meat Wow. but that was a fun hunt so i'm trying i'm
0: I'm, I'm sitting there trying to do the math here you got so you got like 20 like almost 2300 into it and you said what like like 250 pounds of meat let's say or whatever yeah probably you know what is that nine, nine bucks a pound yeah, like, Did I do that, that right? I don't know. I'm terrible at math. Out
1: there, you know. I always so.
0: forget which one I'm supposed to divide into the other <laughs> one. But that, that makes <laughs>
1: that makes, that makes yeah.
0: sense. So was that this, that was this past year?
1: Then. Yeah, that, that was that was November. Um, right at oh. the beginning of November. Okay. So just last month. Yeah. So
0: you still got you still got a ton. So you're good. You're good through the. Oh.
1: I've, I've got three freezers. You can survive in another garage. pandemic and a couple
0: more variants.
1: <laughs> yeah, I could. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so that was that was my big big planned hunt for the year, and then I had this surprise hunt that kind of snuck up on me in uh, at the end of September or end of September. Yeah, I went to Nevada, so I I had a busy fall. <laughs>
0: What, what was the surprise about it? Did somebody like give up a tag or? or? Uh... Yeah,
1: that's exactly what happened. I, I apply for sheep and antelope tags in Nevada every year and um, a couple of ram tags and the ewe sheep tag in Nevada. And then I just decided Nevada is one of those states where you got to buy the license. You know, the hundred I think it's a one hundred and sixty dollar non-resident mm. license just yep. in order to apply. But then every animal is only like 15 or 20 bucks. So yeah. I was like, man, man, I really love antelope hunting, so I'll start buying antelope points. And then looking at it, going into this year, I was reading through the legs, and they had offered some new muzzleloader hunts that they had never done before. Okay. And I thought, man, you know, sometimes people overlook these. You know, they just apply for the same areas over and over and over again. So I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll throw my name in the hat for a muzzleloader hunt. Maybe I'll get lucky. So I applied and the results came out in May and I didn't, I didn't win anything in Nevada. So I thought that was, you know, just over with. And then August, like it was like August 30th or something. I'm walking home and I get an email from the department of, wildlife there and it says congratulations you've been awarded an alternate big game tag and my heart about skipped a beat because i thought i got a sheep tag you know? Oh! <laughs> i opened it up and it's like hey you know you've been awarded an alternate muzzleloader antelope tag and i was like oh cool and by that time they already charged your credit card you know so yeah. i'm like hey honey and the hunt is like the hunt period opens september 25th so it was like three and a half weeks away. Oh! <laughs> and so I was like, "Hey, honey, what do you think about me going to Nevada?" And so she she let me go. But she's probably pregnant at this point, right? She had ju- we had just had the baby. The okay. baby was born <laughs> in july you know the kind of the middle middle to end part of july so she was only you know six weeks old at the time when i drew the through the tag and so but the crazy thing about it was i just had not run read the rags i just said saw oh a muzzleloader hunt i'm like i've done a lot of muzzleloader hunt. i can do that that'll be fun yeah. well then i start reading through the regulations after i draw the tag and i learned that it's an open-sighted muzzleloader hunt mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm like oh boy i didn't you know i didn't take that into account so then it was just scramble city there to try to get um an open-sided muzzleloader and and practice with it and figuring out how to get primers and powder across the country um was an absolute logistical nightmare because you can't they're like in stock nowhere you know yeah so you can't fly with it Right, and you can't fly with it, so yeah. um, that wound up being a nightmare. Was able to work that out legally, you know, but um, uh, it was a good it was a good time. I wound up killing a killing a nice buck antelope at 135 yards with the muzzle loader on the first nice. day, and, that, and nice. that was a that was a solo hunt into the high desert. So I I flew out there, rented a car, went went hunting by myself, and then then flew back. So that was awesome. A, that was. That was a neat adventure trip. You know, how would you desert. do
0: with uh, How'd you how'd you bring it all back? What'd you would you do? Just fly with, the, fly with the cooler, or what'd you do?
1: I did I? So I flew out there. My two check bags were just the, the you know the gun, and then I had a big suitcase. And in that suitcase, I flew. I think it was a forty-five or fifty quart collapsible soft-sided cooler. Mm-hmm. So when I was flying back, I had the cape and the skull plate. And the meat and uh, I had just, you know, butchered the animal myself and uh, took the meat and put it in that cooler the night before with, with I bought eight pounds of dry ice.
0: And oh, put Jesus. That yeah, that's
1: all that in there. And, uh, by morning time that had melted down, you're only allowed to fly with up to five pounds of dry ice. Right. Yeah. By the time the flight came, most of that stuff was frozen solid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had to declare it and they put a little tag on it or whatever. And I had to unzip the corner of the cooler, like two or three inches and it just, you know, check bag. There you go. So it was really, they, they
0: don't want that pressure building up or, or, uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that I'd do that again in a heartbeat. I mean, I'd, I'd say, i told a bunch of people, I mean, if you're killing an animal, like deer size or less, just do that. That was so easy, you know?
0: Well, I'm asking because, like I said, I'm heading down to Florida here. Usually, like my previous job, like, you know, we'd, we'd be down in Florida a bunch, and I just put it on the truck and bring it home, you know, when I yeah. shot pigs down there. But um, now I'm, I'm flying specifically for a hunting trip. So I'm, I'm just curious okay. which, you know, which, what did you, did you use like a premium, like a Yeti or something like that? or?
1: Oh, dude, or... I just bought a $40 special off of Amazon. And... Okay and it worked wonderfully you know the flights are you know as long as you're not going on a super long flight that stuff was just rock. it was still rock solid by the time i landed in michigan from nevada you know so, oh
0: yeah, yeah yeah i i wouldn't yeah. be concerned about it but thawing out I'm, I'm more concerned about like um if for some reason like something starts to kind of melt you know they don't want like like pig juice yeah. <laughs> dripping all yeah, over someone's louis vuitton luggage <laughs> <out. laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep i had duffel bagged everything in yeah in, I had, you know, basically packaged everything individually in quart size bags, and then I put mm-hmm. the quart size bags in gallon bags, yeah, so yeah. to provide a little bit of security, and, and it worked pretty good. Yeah, that's that's
0: kind of what I was what I was thinking. So yeah, I, I looked I looked at that soft-sided thing. I'm like, oh, that might be a pretty good option, and you can get them like you said, like really cheap, or you can you know shell out for like the leak-proof you know zippers and all right. that stuff. But that's like. God, it's like 500 bucks, 400 bucks for, you know, basically like a Yeti man purse, you know, is, is what it is, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, no, I, let's switch gears real quick here. We've been on a while. Um, so let's, let's kind of get into, um, your, your, your channel and all these reviews you're doing and stuff. Um, so I, are, are you like fully like 100% committed to like just saddle hunting or, is that what you chose to concentrate on just like for your channel, but you do other, you know, like stands or, you know, other, other kind of you know, spot and stock, whatever, obviously you do that when you're traveling, but.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I would say when I am mobile hunting, I a hundred percent have hunted out of the saddle for quite a few years now. I did buy a lone wolf custom gear 0.5 this year, basically for the sole purpose of testing it out as a hybrid option Mm -hmm. you know i'd seen a lot of guys buying these these trophy line missions and i would look at that and i go man one of the reasons i got into saddle hunting was to not carry a ton of stuff into the woods and i i just had no interest in carrying a platform that weighed six pounds into the woods you know so i thought well if i'm gonna do that i might as well buy a small tree stand that weighs slightly more but then it has backpack straps and carries way better to to test out so this year i did do some mobile hit sits with that lone wolf custom gear 0.5 um and and i'm only hunting basically um public land right now so um everything i've done the last two years is, is for the most part mobile hunting one or two sits a year on private where i may have a preset you know and i i'll i have some presets that are you know uh, there, one or two I've hunted in the last couple of years have been ladder stands, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and often I'll hang from the saddle above those. Um, and then when I lived in. Ohio-
0: OK, yeah, so there we go. So anyway, so I, I lost, we lost you at, when you when you're saying about Ohio.
1: So, yeah, when I lived in Ohio, I was hunting on a lot of private farms and on those farms, I would often have sticks preset like ladder sticks that I would pick up, you know, end of clearance from someplace for 35 bucks, 20 foot strap on steel sticks. And then I would carry in my platform and hang, you know, above those sticks and with the platform in the saddle. So, yeah, I, I would consider myself with the very rare outlying exception to be a total saddle hunter. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. I. Um, <clears throat> so I, I. I still have my saddle, right? I've got a Tactus saddle. I've only tried the Mantis and the Tactus saddle, so I don't have any okay. experience with anything else. Um, so I, I. I. I love it. I love the concept of it. I'm not. I'm not like super comfortable in a tree stand. Okay. Never yeah. have been with the saddle i took to it because you're constantly under tension and i'm like this is great i can worry about not having wobbly feet and i can worry worry about everything else but this year i also picked up a uh, a novix Hilo. okay and so for the last half of the season again like i have maybe like four, four or five sits in it um not very long because only like an hour or two at a time like midday kind of thing just just to climb a tree and practice if any if, if for nothing else <laughs> yeah um and you know, I, I first of all, it's way better than the XOP vanish that I had several years ago that I got rid of. Uh, way more secure. I love it a lot. But, um, I, I, I almost wish I'd bought the Assault 2 instead of the the Hilo because I think the, yeah. the narrowness of the ca- of the the platform, it's about three inches narrower than the Assault 2. And that sound like much, but like the cables, I'm running into a lot of like cable interference, you know, by mm. my boots. Yeah. and i don't like being way, like i don't like being far away near the edge of the tree stand anyway so i like being kind of closer to the tree so i'm still trying to work my way around like how i want to be and how i want to feel comfortable shooting out out of it and have you know like like clearance issues and stuff like i actually um i'll send you a picture i actually well, i ended up taking it off but like the seat for example the flip up seat on you know if it's if it's a big enough tree a wide enough tree, obviously you don't have an option, but on, on skinnier trees, the seat was like, you know, wider than the tree, let's say. Yeah. And I was having, you know, kind of like behind my like left butt cheek, basically I was having like, like limb, like clearance issues with the flipped up seat. Mm. So I took a jigsaw out of the seat and I cut, <laughs> I cut some of that. <laughs> so I've got Little DIY. I, got, I just, so, Oh God, it looks, it looks so bad, but whatever, but it works. Um, you know, because because the seat is way too wide on that thing anyway. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah. I know we're getting away from saddle hunting here. But my, my, my point is um, I, I wanted to go back to trying a tree stand after doing the saddles for like two years because my issue with the, with the saddle was, you know, you you tend to fall to the low side. You're a plumb bob. And I couldn't be on the side of the tree that I needed to be on. Mm. Um, yeah. I think, you know, my view is it's it's. anything in a tree first of all whether you're in a tree stand or or, or in a saddle it's way more conducive my my thoughts to shooting a compound bow than it is a a recurve um i know lots of guys are super successful i know you're super successful but you know i found like you know just you you lose out on on a lot of angles that you just don't feel comfortable shooting you know shooting on like you can set up in, in your compound and you can pretty much be like You know, parallel to the tree, right? Sucked up right to the tree and just shoot vertical, right? And you can shoot the whole 360 thing is, is, is fine with that. But I was having a lot of trouble like getting to, you know, potentially some of those angles with my recurve or longbow, whatever and i thought well maybe if i'm in a platform then i can actually turn around and have a little bit more room and be on the side like if it's a leaning tree it doesn't have to be much of a leaning tree it doesn't have to it doesn't take much of a leaning tree to make your day uncomfortable in the saddle
1: no you know because you're
0: constantly fighting it and um you know and it's one thing if you kind of find the high side and you're sitting there waiting but then when you go to like pick up your bow and take a shot well now it's like okay you're you've you've kind of given up um uh you know holding on certain way with your with your hands and your feet and all that stuff and now you're trying to draw this bow and then now it's like gravity's like aha you know you've lost your grip and you're not in one spot anymore and whoop, you know you kind of swing down to the to the low side and and i, I just i don't know i'm, I'm still not 100 like i'd love to be in a saddle if it's a dead straight tree when it's not yeah. a dead straight tree i like being in the tree stand but out of either one of them i don't feel like I, i'm 100 comfortable um in all positions being able to shoot uh especially a stick bow you know and i don't want to shoot a compound you know um but i don't know i'm still i'm still battling battling between the two you
1: know yeah it's tough i mean like um i think it's easier in the saddle to maintain that good t-form that's so important when shooting you know the the traditional bow Uh, you know and a lot of guys when they miss out of a stand it's because they're leaning over at their hips with the trad bow and they're changing their anchor point and all that and they're missing low you know um and you don't have that as much in the saddle so that's one advantage but you're right the downside is you know let's say i'm sitting in the tree and in my saddle those shots between like 10 o'clock and two o'clock are really hard with the stick bow. You mm-hmm. know, uh it's much more conducive to take shots from, you know, let's say nine thirty and back it with the stick bow. Uh, yeah like
0: then, six to nine, six to ten even, right. you know. Yeah. But absolutely. then
1: you're losing one of the major advantages of the saddle, which is using the tree to hide behind. So exactly what I've kind of found myself doing most in most situations, uh let's let's take a leaning tree for example. Let's say I'm taking I'm on a leaning tree. I'm going to set up for the sit on the high side. And I've actually found leaning trees, when you're set up on the high side, to be very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, But then let's say my shot materializes, you know, somewhere, let's say the deer is two o'clock. What I'm going to have to do is basically maneuver myself um, from where I'm, let's say at six o'clock, I'm going to have to move my body physically, probably somewhere over to close to 11 o'clock, I bet, to make Mm -hmm. that shot toward two o'clock so that I'm fairly, you know, squared up to the deer. And
0: then I'm a little more- You're shooting around the left side of the tree, back toward the right side of the tree. You're, you're, You're physically leaning, you know, you're facing the tree, you're physically now leaning around the left side of the tree, around the tree, rather than the other option being you swing all the way back- to your left, you know, and swing the opposite direction toward 11, which is or toward like two o'clock, which is, I think, even harder.
1: Yeah, I've got and I've gotten busted quite a bit of uh, quite a bit turning around on the tree. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've see a lot of guys nowadays where they're let's say the shot materializes straight behind them where they're standing up on the platform and spinning. Yeah. I've gotten picked so many times. I've just I've just given up on that. I like you put to the keep tether victory. kind of over
0: your shoulder, kind of yep, thing. And, yep, yeah, that move.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, th- there might be situations where you can pull it off, but I've gotten picked a lot doing it. So mm. I've pretty much gone away from that. I'm a re- I like rings of steps, um, but my go to method lately has been a platform with with two or three or four steps in conjunction.
2: Mm-hmm. i
1: like the steps that like, especially like you were talking about on a leaning tree there, where like when I, if I go to the low side of the tree and gravity takes over, if I can keep my feet, you know, against those steps and kind of yes. against the gravity a little bit, instead of free swinging, that's helpful. It helps me maintain my balance. I don't have such quick movements where I'm going to get, you know, picked off by the deer. Um, I think there's just, You almost have to run a ring of steps, in my opinion, to get, you know, a lot of the real advantages that come with with a saddle.
0: I couldn't agree more. I've I've never run a um, ring of steps, Um, but yes, uh, because what you're talking about is being able to brace yourself, uh, you know, with, with your, like, low side foot, you know, against... You know your other foot basically, right? So you kind yep. of like your your shoulder width apart or or, or more, whatever. But you're you, you've got that that base where you can kind of um, uh, you know put your legs are pushing against you know each other to stabilize yourself, as opposed to if your feet are just kind of like basically pegged in one spot um like on a step or on a platform and they're like next to each other basically you you really can't you really don't have that kind of wide uh wide foot spread kind of push pull action to to stabilize yourself so that's exactly that 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 was that was my that was my 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 biggest complaint um my biggest complaint with that you know like a couple times this year um let's say uh if i'm staring at the tree and, you know, it's leaning from, it's leaning toward the three o'clock position, right? And it's leaning from, you know, nine o'clock towards like the top of the trees, leaning toward three. And I need to be, um, to be hidden, I need to be at the six o'clock position, right? Kind of, kind of looking into the marsh. Yep. Well, you spend an entire sit trying to like not fall down to the right <laughs> or swing down to the right, you know, toward the three o'clock, um, and if I was on the other side of the tree on the high side, well, I'm exposed because this tree at this point didn't have a ton of cover and stuff, but it was where I needed to be, mm. um, especially shooting a stick bow. You know, we don't have the yeah. option of being, oh, I'm going to go another 10 yards and pick that tree as opposed to I need to be in this tree. So um, I don't know. Like I said, for me, I, I've never done the ring of steps. I actually, I actually ordered some. Um, I bought some off a of saddle, you know, one, one of the, the sites or whatever, and it came in the box and they were loud and they were heavy and they were clunky. <laughs> and I put, I honestly, I put them right back in the box and I resold them. I said, Nope, I, I, I'm, there's no way I'm going to take these into the woods, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know if there's a better option to be able to kind of like walk around the tree like that.
1: Yeah. You know, if you're on private, I, I would just assume screw in steps sure. or do bolts, you know? Yeah. Um, as far as like strap on steps go like the Cranford's, I'm not a big fan of for mobile hunting because they're so they're steel and they're loud and they're just, they're just big and bulky and clunky, you know, squirrel steps are the other end of the spectrum where they're super compact, super minimalistic, but you get a decent amount of play underfoot. You know, I think, I think for a lot of guys, a good safe bet are those tree hopper steps and I've personally never uh, used them. I've just, tested them, um, but they, I've used the steps extensively, which are a similar concept, but the treehopper ones are more stable. They're plastic, so you don't get that ting noise if you mm-hmm. were to bang them together, you know, that metal sound, and yep. you can wrap them in vet tape pretty easily. They've got a little wider footbed. Those seem like a good, good option. Um, the steps I use I are just I don't need, they're like a squirrel step on steroids. They're an inch wide. They're like a five and a half inch long step. Um, So they're super compact together. They're like powder coated. And I picked them up from a guy. Nobody even knows who made them. You know, you, you see them floating around on the forum occasionally and not, I haven't run into a single person who knows where they came from, but, but I really, I really like them. Um, They've got a little spur in the back of the step. So they, they bite in well and. And they're just, uh, they're just a good combination in, of size and, and weight and, you know, packability.
0: So what do you, what do you take like on a typical, like, like like three, three steps, four steps on, on a, on a, on a strap or?
1: I take five typically. Oh, right. um, I, and that's, I would say I, that changes depending on the terrain I'm going to hunt. Right. I found myself a lot recently in swamps here in Michigan mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of big trees in swamps. So nope typically three four steps is all you need on those um i there are some trees i'll hunt around here that are i would say 16 to 18 inches in diameter and five steps does pretty good on it on a tree that big you know if you're if you're going to get into something that's pushing the two foot across or bigger range at hunting height you're probably going to want six you know um but I would say for 95% of the trees I'm in, buying five and then going from there um, is, is just fine. You know, if I'm, and if I have the five and I'm on a small tree, I'll just push two of them together. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know,
0: so are you uh, are you one sticking when you're climbing? Are you, uh, are you a one sticker? Or what are you doing? It
1: depends. I am a one sticker. I I enjoy it. It's super compact. Um, When I when I have long walks and I do a lot of scouting, you know, let's say I'm scouting my way in and I don't know where I'm going to set up. I will often bring the one stick just because it's so light. You know, I can cut so much weight. Right. Um, I do not like. The, the one stick, you know, you're, you're in the swamp, for example, you know, you'll run into these guys who say, oh, I can climb any tree in the woods, you know, with my one stick. Great. Well, I've got some setups where I start climbing one tree and then I move to a different one eight feet off the ground. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And uh, or or it's got some crazy angle to it. And i don't find fighting gravity with one sticking on these big angled trees and stuff like that or trees i, I don't want to dangle there if there's a ton of thick cover you know that i'm climbing through you know what i mean so there are totally just yeah yeah some that goes, situations yeah. i don't want to deal with it
0: you know? agreed that, that goes totally with with what i was saying with with actually just hanging there is like i love one stick climbing it's fine again i love one stick climbing on a street tree um if you're on a leaning tree, all the you know everything that, that it, you know was said about you're a plumb bob. It doesn't just happen when you're like at height now. It's every time you make a move, you're right. you're, you're you're fighting that like you know ah crap, I'm gonna swing out, you know, um, it, yeah. So yes. I I really I, I I if if I could, I prefer to bring just like three sticks and eighters you know what i mean
2: yeah um, and I, I, that's
0: that's what i'm using stick. these hawk heliums with this with this uh Hilo. um i had that ultimate one stick um you know yeah. from um uh, eastern woods just amazing piece of gear right it's, they but make then box, so. i love it it's so so well built i didn't like the plateau i didn't like the angle platform i don't um, like angled
1: platforms either yeah i sicker. thought
0: i was gonna like it and it's i think the angle could be like half of what it is and yep. it would be it would be fine i think it's too angled my feet like never really touched the angle part anyway they were always on like the, the um like the breakover you know angle yeah uh, yep. they're kind of the, i i so I, I don't know but i mean that's just design but everything else about it is just like there's bomb diggity but i ended up selling that um to kind of finance the the tree stand but um i almost wish i had it back i don't know now it's like i i, I don't know i um
1: Well, he, he just put a teaser out and he had mentioned this to me a while back. I'm glad to see he's coming out with it. He's coming out with a flat UP platform. It's one with no angle on the front. (laughs) 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 And, uh, you know, I, I, I tell a lot, you know, the average guy, I think that's getting into saddle hunting nowadays leans, you know, 75% of the time or more, I sit, 90 to 95 percent of the time, probably. And so a lean, an angled portion does nothing for me but waste real estate. Mm -hmm. Like I tried the cruiser platform. I didn't I sold it almost immediately because it's just not my style. I tried out the UP platform and I just don't lean so that that doesn't it just doesn't do anything for me. So I tried the Monarch, the original Monarch with the angle, didn't like it, went to the flat Monarch and then went from the flat Monarch to the Catalyst Ion and the Catalyst Ion has a very small fade on the front edge. Um, almost undetectable, and I, I I really like the Catalyst Ion, but I think they're out of business or something. So yeah, I,
0: I haven't tried any any of those other ones. I mean, I pretty much went from standing on top of you know my my Hawk Helium to the the UP basically to the to the one stick. Um, but yeah, and I, I lean too, but even, even still, like I don't lean way so far back to match the angle of that breakover angle, you know, yeah. of, of that, of that platform. <laughs> um, I'm pretty like sucked up, sucked up close to the tree. I don't lean whole, for, far back. So basically like the real estate underneath my heels is just, is empty. You know, it's, it's not actually on the platform. So,
2: yeah, um, I, I'm but totally I do with love those
0: little side. I, first of all, I love the way, um, that, that stick grips the tree is just amazing. Um, and I love the little side wings on there where we were talking about how you can kind of push off uh, you know with, with the steps that we were talking about. Yep, um, yep. that gives you a little more room to kind of like you know put put one foot on the back side of that that little angled uh, piece and push off of it as you're kind of like hook your knee around the other side of the tree to be able to make that shot we were talking about like if we're gonna make a two o'clock shot and go around you know around the tree from you know 10 11 12 o'clock and lean around that way um in those instances yep. it, it does work out like just just great you know so like i didn't end up selling that stick because the stick didn't work i ended up selling that stick because i wanted to finance uh, a tree stand <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i i tell people that a lot you know especially when it comes to saddles like you're there's a lot of great gear out there and yeah. there's no one thing that you can say is the best almost in any category. You got to figure out what's going to be best for you based on your, your hunting preferences, your hunting location, all that kind of stuff. You know, your hunting style, as far as like, do you sit, do you lean, do you do a mix? Some saddles and some platforms are going to be better suited for one than the other. And you gotta, you gotta decide what works for you. You know,
0: hundred percent. You were talking about that, uh, um, um lone wolf custom gear 0.5 so the whole kind of hybrid concept right so being able to take like a small tree stand and then use use a uh uh like a like a rock climbing harness or a saddle or whatever and be able to turn around and, and do all that that's great but a tree stand um is is not really meant to have that like if you need to kick around the side of the tree and kind of put side load well it's not meant for that no you know i don't care how well it bites um it's it's not meant for that kind of side load at all so um i kind of gave up on the i I had thoughts of doing that thing i think a lot of people do like i'll do like a hybrid setup but uh, it's fine if you're if you want to kind of turn around and be um under tension you know just kind of facing the tree but if you're going to want to kind of hook around the tree at all or lean out sideways away and make some of those shots, I would I, I wouldn't do it. You know, no, it's, that's, it's, that's 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 not what that stand is for. Does the
1: Hilo have two straps on it or just one? It's got it's got two. Yeah, but no one ever uses two. I I couldn't do the uh, I tried the Lone Wolf custom gear in that sense with just the one strap. You could you can't put any side pressure on it with one strap. You you have to have both straps, and then you're fighting walking around the cables and stuff. So yeah, it's it's not ideal. I think if I was a tree stand guy, I would probably do it just like in case I needed to get a shot directly behind the tree, you know. Mm -hmm. Um and I back before years, years and years ago, before I switched to saddle hunting, when I was hunting out of a tree stand, I was using a rock climbing harness instead of the full body thing anyway. So I would probably just use a, a really compact saddle, like like the Tacta saddle. I have the Adapt DSS, which I think would be perfect for that, or the CGM sidewinder that, you know, gets so compact, almost like a riggers belt. I'd use something like that in conjunction with a stand, just, just in case. You know, but it I don't think it's ideal.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I, I sat in um I sat like like normal style in this with the TACTA Saddle just to see how I'd like wearing a saddle instead of a harness, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause it's just easier to walk around with, more compact, that kind of stuff. Um, I, I didn't like the fact that, you know, with enough, you, you need enough slack basically to go around, you know, behind you. Right. Um, and then, so that carabiner started clanging on stuff, um, in mm-hmm. the back of the saddle, like started, you know, like rubbing on the, uh, not the saddle's fault. That's not what it's meant for. But if you have any kind of belt pouch or anything like that, then it was started, it started to rub on the bark or on the tree, on the uh, tree stand post, you know? Yep. So I kind of gave up on that and just went back to the, you know, the, the the harness that I had like a regular, you know, um, like, that's like a, that don't even think they make it anymore. It's like a G tag ghost or something or whatever, but, huh. you know, yep. <laughs> which I hate. I hate that thing. I put that on the, the lineman belts are like on the backside of my kidneys, the lineman belt loops, you know, like I'm reaching around going, good Lord, who designed this piece of crap?
1: I, I sit in a lot of gear and I go, they never tested this. did they?" No, terrible. I'm reaching around sideways. Like, come on, click man. You know, <laughs>
0: yep i gotta get rid of that thing and get like a better uh yeah we gotta we gotta
1: get you in a in a in a quality saddle man you said you got the mantis in attack the saddle which i think i have owned somewhere in the neighborhood of 26 saddles something like that different makes you know some of them have been sizes you know i tried two different sizes of the mantis for example but i counted that as one one make you know yeah um but of those 26, both the Mantis and the Tactus Saddle go near the bottom of my list from a comfort perspective. You think so? I, I think the Tactus Saddle super comfortable. I, I really like it. Do yeah. you? Uh,
0: yeah, I do. Again, I've only tried the two. Like the Mantis, you know, when it first came out... um you know, great for what it was, but like, what I compl- my complaints on it were what a lot of other people were complaining about was that it would kind of ride up, you know. And yeah. if you're gonna do any kind of like one sticking where you're actually like sitting there hanging, well, you need to be comfortable hanging, otherwise you're just gonna get a wedgie, you know, while you're oh, dangling yeah. there basically. Yeah. So, um, so then I got the because t- uh, I got the tactic saddle, you know, like John Tucker's like, you know, he's a tr- he's a trad guy, you know, yeah. and whatever. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna support him, and I got it, and I love it. I mean, I love the thing, like just super comfortable you know the the other i think it's just so subjective you know i mean i'm sure there's other stuff too i know lots of guys um speak really highly of the uh, the cruiser saddles um that seems to come up a lot um but yeah i mean i i I don't have a desire to change the 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 saddle so much but um more, like, I wish I could change the trees <laughs> to being straight. <laughs> right.
1: So, yeah, yeah. The, the thing with the tactic Saddle for me, and it's, it's a perfect illustration. Like, I have the DSS where it has three straps, you know, two that go under your butt and one that sits a little higher. And uh, it's a great saddle quality product. And for leaning, it's super, it's very comfortable, very adjustable. It walks in great, you know, all yeah. that. But I sit <laughs> and I yeah. just you know, I got more pressure points when I was sitting. Uh, if I was leaning most of the time, yeah, I, I, why not, man? It's, it's got a lot of great features, you know, yeah, yeah. but just for my style, there was others that are, were more comfortable.
0: So, um, so what is your, uh, just to kind of, almost kind of like wrap up here basically, but yeah. like, so what, what is your, um, I know you test a lot of stuff, right? Yep. But right now, if, um, you know, the world's ending and you're going to have to, 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 provide food for your family by, by hunting out of a saddle what, <laughs> and saddle equipment for the, <laughs> to, to, to get through the apocalypse. What, um, what do you, what are you picking? Like, what is your go-to, like, I'm going to, as far as like, you know, stick platform saddle, like what's, what's, what's your, uh, your, I don't know, your fuzzy bunny slippers that's going to make you successful.
1: Right. All right. I'll, okay. I'll walk you through my, my, my current setup. Um, I have just switched from Hawk Heliums, which I've run for five or six years, to Tethered Skeletors, and I'm really liking those. So I would go three Tethered Skeletors, and I use an aider that's made by Jamie Klein of Overwatch Outdoors. He calls it a, a Button aider. It's basically a... Uh, a versa style aider, so it's got a loop at the top, but the loop is made out of the, the webbing, kind of folded over, and then sewn around with a, another piece of uh, fabric on top of it. So it's just mm-hmm. basically a loop at the top. And uh, when I climb up, I hook that loop on the bottom step, and then I have you know the bungee that goes from the aider to my belt. And so when I step up, it pops off the step. Yeah. And then when I come down, I lengthen the aider and I hang it off the top step and and then climb down that way. And that works really good. I love those tethered Skeletors. Just the attachment system is, is phenomenal. They a good standoffs on them. They're holding well, you know. So that's what I would run from a stick and aider perspective. Moving on to the platform, I've tried a lot of different platforms. I'm just a minimalist kind of guy. Uh, so I like the tethered Predator. And I it with typically th- two to three steps on the strap uh, right now I, I run squirrel steps but right now i have three plastic camara steps on the strap mm-hmm. and and i love love that setup i'm going to be trying out a lone wolf custom gear platform here pretty soon their new small platform that, that uh, depending on how it does with side pressure and the ability to, to adjust and push off of it, I, I may switch, but we'll see. Um, so then from uh, let me move on to, let's do ropes. So I run a eight millimeter Oplux, um, you know, Lyman belt with a CT roll and lock. I've tried all the mechanical devices. I like the CT roll and lock the best. And then from a tether perspective, I actually just switched my tether. Oplex, I have found not to. I, I think it wears very easily. Um, mm. The the sheath of it, I found after a, a year or two of use, kind of starts to break down and it'll gunk up your friction hitches. So I'm just I'm losing a lot of l- trust, so to speak, in Oplex. I just I don't like that about it, and so I just switched to a webbing tether from Arrow Hunter. Um, it's basically tubular webbing with a sewn eye on one end and then they use tri glides for adjustments to shorten hmm. and to, to take length out and to, to lengthen it and it works really really good it's got a small learning curve to it but one or two sits in the trees you'll get it down and uh, it, it's like 48 bucks and comes with a phenomenal uh, carabiner fusion carabiner you don't need an ascender with that or anything it just works great so who, I'm who really makes that again arrow hunter they just oh, okay. released it like in november and i okay. have become I'm, I'm a big fan so far so i may not go back to a rope tether again really um so then from a saddle perspective if you were to put a gun to my head and made me pick one i would probably go with the dryad dray um mm-hmm. Just because I, my number one, I have two big concerns when it comes to a saddle. Is that like
0: the little baby swaddling thing that looks like the little baby swaddler?
1: It's the hammock hammock saddle, yep. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I
0: would not have expected you to say that.
1: I know, right? But it is so comfortable. It just blows everything out of the water from a comfort perspective. And I don't – the only time I use it like in the full hammock mode is if I get to my tree like an hour and a half before daylight – I'll, I might be sleeping the thing, to be honest with you. (laughs) Uh, But other than that, I've got it, you know, totally compacted down. So it's a small footprint, you know, below my butt, kind of like a traditional saddle. But I like that. It gives me good support um just the most comfortable saddle i've ever sat in by a long shot um so that combined with the fact that it all compacts down to this little tiny belt system Mm -hmm. uh that's another big thing i've always been concerned about is how well does this thing wear you know if i'm going to walk in the woods for two miles before i set up i want it to be comfortable while i'm walking and so for that perspective it's just just fantastic there's um, there's a couple others that are very, very close and depending on the climbing style or the situation I found myself in, I, I would be tempted to grab but but that's been my go-to saddle lately.
0: Hmm. you know I, I haven't seen I haven't I haven't watched a ton of videos on that on that Dre. Yeah, saddle system, whatever, whatever you want to call it. So maybe I'll, I'll, I'll check that out again because I'm like, because I don't know, you kind of write stuff off, right? You look yeah. at it it's like, ah, eh, it's not for me, you know. But then like, <laughs> I, I don't know, I, I had, I had visions of like, you know, when you're in a hammock and you try to get out of a hammock and it, it's like, like <laughs> comedy because you got legs yeah. and arms like, like flinging around all over the place trying to like get up out of it, you know, kind of thing. That's what I imagined, and I know it's not like that, but that's what I imagined initially. So yeah. maybe, maybe I need
1: to watch more videos on it. But and, you know, when he released it. I was just kind of intrigued by it. Cause it was just kind of like, Hey, you made a pleat with a saddle. Let me make a pleated saddle too. Oh, your saddle's got adjusters. We'll put adjusters on ours too. Yeah. You know, and it was just kind of like that for a while. And he came on with something that was just totally different. So I was like, I, I want to try this just cause it's so different. Yeah. And I got it. And It was so, so, so comfortable. A few things I had to work out with it, you know, as far as how to manage the fabric, you know, to to relieve pressure points on the leading edges of it and stuff like that. Mm Um, And then he's totally redesigned it from that first one. Like I I have a video on my channel of it, but the one I reviewed looks nothing from like what you can buy nowadays. He's got he's got camo and he's got lineman loops now, which were not on the original version. And I've actually been testing out some prototype stuff this season, which I really am excited about. I I, I think the public's going to love this stuff. And it's just quality product. Dane, who owns the company, is a fantastic guy. I, I can't say enough about him. And I, I don't I'm not affiliated with with any company, so this is just my typical normal guy opinion. But I sure. I just like the thing. You know?
0: Yeah. That's huh. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to check. I'm gonna have to check it out again. So, um, yeah. I think. Well, oh, you said the hawk heliums, by the way. I was gonna ask you. Um, my issue with the hawk heliums originally were because i I was doing the um see i had a set that i cut down when i was doing when i was just like like pure saddle you know um yeah climbing with them i was doing them in the eighters and then of course i went to the one six so i sold those ones but then when i bought this hockey when i bought the the Hilo i bought the full length hawk heliums again right so they're all so they're sitting here and they got eighters on them and um they work out great okay so with three of them and some eighters i got i got eighters on on all of them and i don't mind using eighters on the second and third i mean i'm still using the buckle um because i could swing it around the tree easier i like that weight you know when it goes around and they're silenced and everything so i can get about 14 15 feet let's say um with that and like comfortably i don't really like to be much higher than that anyway so i'm okay with that yeah um my issue with when i was just kind of standing on my um hawk heliums before was they had the uh, the amp steel um daisy chain on there okay and i would get movement i would get i would get flex i actually had a um uh, what do you call it? an artisan outdoor platform on on top oh, yeah. on the on the on that one? I like the platform, but it's it's the stick that kind of moves around a little bit, right? I mean, it's not a very robust stick; it's very light, but it's it's it, you can torque it; it's flimsy; you can squeak a little bit. So um, with with these though, I'm 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 actually considering like doing that again, maybe not just one sticking, but um, I I don't know, I, I I'm kind of going back and forth between like just running these three and then just standing on top, cuz I don't mind standing on my sticks. Okay? Yeah, I really don't. Yeah. Uh, it's not that bad. I'm not in it all all day. And I can stand on top of a couple pegs for, you know, um, a few hours. Not not that yeah. big a deal. Um it's more comfortable in a in a nicer like like the ultimate one stick kind of thing, but um, I I can do it. My my thing though is i'm trying to get just like you i'm sure right we're shooting stick bows i'm trying to get super super close um and i'm more cognizant of like noise like all the stuff mm-hmm. that like you know you hear like dan infault and stuff talk about you know and um now it's like making sense to me like you, anybody that owns a hawk helium will know the sound right when like the the, the when you flip the um of uh, the pegs down and they make contact you know yep. when you, you you open them up and they make contact it's like clink you got to be cognizant of doing that and, it, and on a full-length stick you got like nine of those things right you got <laughs> one, two, three, oh, yeah. sorry six of those things six. um so you got to you know in, on each stick and then if you happen to like bump one and the peg goes up a little bit well, now you got to like re-push it back down. So it's one more time. You got to make sure that when you fully extend it, it doesn't go clink into the, <laughs> you know, into its channel and stuff. So I'm like, do I go through the effort of trying to silence this and and um, and do something with it or say, screw it and just buy like another, like, like one stick, even if it's not, like the ultimate deal or like a buy a beast stick, you know, which, you know, seems yeah. to apparently grab onto anything, Right. You know? And use that as a one stick and just, you know, I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of up in the air about uh, about doing that. But I mean, I like the hockey limbs for the weight and everything like that. But now it's like the more you do this and the more you kind of refine your um, OK, this makes noise here. Uh, this makes it difficult to do this here. Um, I'm like, man, I, it's you, 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 you get more nitpicky about. Everything.
1: Yep. Yep. I, I tell you, I had an epiphany about noise this this fall because I have bought my Heliums, yeah, five or six years ago, right? And I modified them. So I bought the three step ones, I cut them down. So I think my overall length was 26 inches and my step to step was 24. So I'm six foot tall, a 24 inch step does not bother me at all. So I would mm-hmm. set them up so that I had a 24 inch eight a 24 inch step and I would mount it at head level. So for every stick I was getting consistently six foot. So mm-hmm. three sticks, 18 foot, put my platform two feet above that, 20 feet, boom, that was just a phenomenal way to do it for me right um and the way i carry them in i use a an aburla stock f1 mainframe pack so it's a frame pack and i've got a couple of pouches on the outside of it so i never stacked the sticks i always had them like two on the outside and one in the middle right so Mm -hmm. they never contacted each other and then i would hang the first one and then put the other two on opposite sides of my hips so like I never had like any metal to metal noise to worry about with the sticks. So then this fall, I buy that Lone Wolf custom gear and I I try that out a few times. And now all of a sudden I'm putting not only the sticks on top of each other, stacking them, right? But then I'm like trying to put that whole mess on the stand and it's like, wow, there is way more potential for noise here than anything I've ever dealt with saddle hunting and using that frame pack. I know there's a lot of guys that still stack their sticks that saddle hunt, but I just never, I just never have. Um, So then I'm breaking out the stealth strips, you know, and I'm putting them on all those spots where the sticks are touching and, and I have mixed feelings about uh, stealth strips because I just feel like anything like that has the potential to hold a lot of odor and stuff and something <laughs> like yeah I don't know that I want to do that but I, I just felt like man you have to like if you're gonna be doing that because there's so much noise potential um, so yeah I, I've I, I think it's uh, you know one of those things where you certainly got to know your style how you're gonna carry them in you know y- you can you know get away with it um, the b stick is just I've tested them a couple of times. I've never owned them. They seem phenomenal from a climbing perspective. They just seem to hold at goofy angles. you know um, the, the, I didn't have many complaints about the heliums, but most of the years I used those, I was hunting farm country where it was a lot of just straight hardwood trees, you know. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of goofy climbing scenarios. Yeah. I, I used them in the swamp a couple of times this year and had my first kick out ever because I was putting it on this real cockeyed tree and, you know, yeah. pressure wasn't straight up and down and boom there, it went, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, you know, what we got to do is just invent a hoverboard. <laughs> <laughs> something that just glides you know like like a few inches above so you're not like stepping on twigs and and you know deadfall and stuff crunchy leaves and then you can just like whoosh, you know
1: <laughs> yeah well, I tell you what I what totally I'm trying silent. to rack my brain in how to do and my favorite climbing method is SRT right
2: mm.
1: you know and it's just so fast like I can get to 20 feet I filmed it literally without a whole lot of effort in 30 seconds right it's oh, just wow. awesome but you really need to preset a tree in order to make that work. And I find myself very rarely hunting the same tree twice anymore. Sure. And, you know, it's just kind of following sign and setting up wherever it, the sign is. And so often I've never been in the tree before, so I'm not presetting it. What I want to figure out how to do is is to get a SRT set up without a throw ball right like <laughs> some way i can get the rope up the tree eight or ten feet then climb it and then advance it from there another eight or ten feet you know and you like one of those bat
0: like a uh, bat belt like uh grappling hook like you know <laughs> yeah. things you know just <laughs> you know there's <laughs> a part K- of me like I've your bow this. in one hand and a grappling hook on the other and just whoop, you know there you go
1: There you go. (laughs) I, I, I haven't played with it yet, but I'm thinking like, could I rig up something like I, I have the you know, this extendable thing that fishes golf balls out of the water, right? (laughs) Like part of me is like, could I use something like that just to get the rope up like eight or 10 feet and then, you know, climb and hook my tether up and then advance my rope again or something, you know?
0: Oh, like a telescoping Uh, rod of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. 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 Then you're lugging that thing around.
1: Right. Yeah. There's so much for super
0: mobile, mobile <laughs> you know, light mobile, whatever. And it's crazy me. because like I'll, I'll sit there and I'll think about it and I'm like, you know what? And it, you, sometimes I'm sure you get this You just get so frustrated with it. You're like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to walk around and I'm just going to take like, not even like a stool, you know, and just be on the ground. I'll take a ghillie suit, <laughs> you know, or like yeah, a leafy top yeah. and I'm going to be the ultimate in mobile. Maybe I'm not going to be in a tree. Well, man, can I cover some ground? And if I don't like sitting here, I'm going to move five feet away. <laughs> and exactly. I can do it in like two seconds.
1: <laughs> I think ground hunting is going to be kind of the next, me and a buddy have talked about this, the next big wave in in the mobile hunting. I did it more than more than a handful of times this year, especially in the morning hunts where I was like, I don't really feel like climbing a tree in the dark and mm-hmm. getting up there and having no shooting lanes. You know what I mean? Like, well, That's gonna, what I was counting on for most of the season. Level.
0: You know, uh, of like, okay, man, I'm just going to walk around Like, I'll take like a ghillie, maybe a top or or like a leafy top or like a leafy uh, uh, mask, you know, head net kind of thing. And just like walk because that's that's all I had time to do. And I'm like, okay, if I'm find something I can set up somewhere, I'm just going to crouch down, put the head thing on and just sit and wait, you know, at like, you know, at uh, the grass level kind of thing. So,
2: yeah, I don't know. But
0: I think you're right. I think I think like um, I think there's untapped potential in products. Uh, for ground hunting, you know, because everyone like. You hear people ask about, like, what's the best stool? It's like, oh, such and such old-timer used to make this one stool, but they don't make it anymore. You know what I mean? Or, um, you know, what's the best uh, concealment thing? Or what's the best, like, pop-up, not a pop-up blind, but, like, uh, something to kind of take cover quickly with you and to set up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And aside from, you know, moving half the forest around and making a bunch of noise, dragging, like, deadfall and cutting it and whatever and, and put you know, constructing a ground blind, um, which is fine and all. But you make a lot of noise when you do that you know yeah, you do. um it'd be, it'd be nice to just to kind of take and something the, with you just yeah. kind of like whoop, you know back cover front cover whatever you want and then just kind of sit there i don't know that's yeah you know I mean? but
1: you're right there's not many there's really not many great seat options out there yeah. you know there's not a lot of good fast pop-up blinds or stuff like that that actually look realistic and and are gonna fool a deer uh yeah. not a tree seat options seem limited yeah i think there's a lot of potential for really refined uh, tools in the ground ground run and gun game
0: i think you should i think i think you should invest some time into it and come up with some stuff (laughs) there you go (laughs) you test a lot of stuff you can come up with something
1: (laughs) i i I probably could
0: (laughs) all right man we've gone forever here so is there anything we didn't uh we didn't talk about um i'm sure there is but any anything you need to get off like uh that you need to talk about or get off your chest or whatever or uh
1: No, not really. I mean, the uh, I get a lot of questions about about saddles, you know, and so if somebody's listening to this and they're just, you know, wondering about saddles. I would say, hey, before you even think about like, oh, should I buy a cruiser or should I buy a tethered saddle? I think what you it's helpful to first think through, like, what are my how am I going to use this thing? am I going to sit in it, right? Or am I going to lean in it? That's going to make a difference from a design perspective for (laughs) for the saddle you'll want to think about. Typically, if you want to sit, you're going to want a saddle with a little bit more fabric to it, you know, or some of the two panel saddles are are really, really good for for sitters. You're going to want to think about whether or not you are going to be using a ring of steps or or a platform, you know. Uh, If you're using a ring of steps, you're you're going to be a sitter because nobody wants, it's just not comfortable to lean onto a ring of steps. So, you know, if you think you're going to use that as your primary method, you're probably going to want a saddle that's more catered towards sitting. You know, do you want a saddle that's going to pack in? Well, is that a high priority for you? That's probably going to be something totally different than some of the saddles that, you know, are, are very, very comfortable. So all those things I think are things that I would encourage a guy to sit down and think through like, okay, is my saddle, am I a run and gun hunter or am I gonna go just to the same tree and hunt it 20 times a year? You know, how am I using this thing before they decide, oh, I should just go out and buy a tethered Phantom, you know, or an mm-hmm. XC or whatever it might be, you know? So um, that would just be my, my two cents and what I have encouraged people to think through over the years.
0: Here's a good segue for you. So where would one, uh, one actually go on YouTube to find such reviews? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, my, my channel is just called saddle hunting um, with a space between the two words. Um, my name's Spencer uh, Valeri, you know, you can email me uh, at saddle at gmail.com and I can, I can answer questions there on Facebook or whatever. And I'm more than happy to try to help, help, help guys out if I can and, and get them pointed in the right direction. And I try to be as unbiased as I can. So um, I try to just try the saddles out and then give my honest opinion about what works, what doesn't, and, and give people the, the straight facts. Cool.
0: Awesome. Man, I want no. you to hang out with me here to when I uh, wrap up here. So um, thanks for being on. I really appreciate it. It's late for you. Um,
1: oh, I appreciate <laughs> you having me, man.
0: Yeah, thanks. Hope, hope, uh, hope hope everybody uh, you know is, is doing well in the well, well in the recovery at your house. And um, yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> everybody go go check out Spencer's channel. Um, if you like this episode, please like, share, and subscribe. Super important. Leave a rating. Super super important. And um, yeah. Uh, bow soul youtube channel uh instagram all that good stuff so all right everybody thanks for listening and i'll talk to you next time